you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, it's been a wild one over here. We got NCAA tournament action going on. We got football going on. We got a little <laughs> bit of everything, and my social life's going crazy here, so we'll get to that in a second. But how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Listeners don't know, but uh, Cousin Shane's been on one of these uh, AKA fad dots, you know, I'm trying to get ready for uh, summer. It got a little warm in Tennessee. We're all freaking out. You know, getting ready for a swim trunk. So I did this damn thing for, I'm not going to bash it, but I did it for like nine days and I'm killing it. But guess what, Mike? I'm off of it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a wild man. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling great. And that may just be the sugar running through. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's good. Good to know you're geared up. I'll let you know what I've been up to. So Buddy had a birthday weekend bash here on Saturday. I live in Nashville, for those that don't know. And... You know, you've been down there, Broadway, what have you. It's like spring break. Mm-hmm. You know, every every weekend is already wild down there enough. But you throw on top of it, we're at the end of this COVID thing. Yeah. And, I mean, the party is dialed up to 11. And I'm there with my, my girlfriend. And there's everywhere I'm seeing, there's just girls with wearing like a quarter of a shirt. <laughs> I mean, it was just a trouble waiting to happen. <laughs> And, uh, man, it was, it was a wild day for me on Saturday. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, you, you're hearing all this stuff down in Miami right now. Mm-hmm. The, the people are done. And now I don't, you know, and we're not, I, this isn't, we've been real good about not talking about COVID or not picking a side or anything like that. But I'm telling you right now in East Tennessee, uh, or well, just what I'm seeing right now in the South, I, I think we're going to be gearing up for one of the wildest damn uh, I think this is going to be the wildest damn season we've ever seen. And I know last season was crazy because we went all SEC. 
But there's been a lot of lot of folks, a lot of folks listening to this podcast that have been caged up for a year. And when they finally got enough vaccines and they go to 100 percent, these stadiums watch out, my friend. I'm telling you what, the Grove is going to be jumping. The, the you know the fraternities are going to be jump. It's going to be a wild event. I think I think we're going to break records with noise. I think fan attendance is going to get back up. You know, it was struggling there for a little bit, mm-hmm. but people are just itching to get out, man. And 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 part of social life is college football, man. Yes, yeah, one of those things, man. You don't know what you got until it's taken away from you <laughs> for, for a little bit. And we're going to go full force. Here in the fall, I can feel it already. But speaking of that, Shane, not knowing, you know, appreciating what you got while you got it. Not a ton of stuff on Alabama on this show, but I do want to open with Nick Saban. First spring press conference came on, I believe this was Friday, and 66 days after winning the national championship. Nick Saban's already fired up because he's had to answer a damn depth chart question. Let's kick it over to the GOAT. Hey, Nick. Uh, I was going to ask about the Mike linebacker position. Do you see Christian Harris kind of making that shift like Dylan Moses did, or is he more set at the Will linebacker spot? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll do both. I mean, he'll, he'll play some Mike and some Will. Um, he'll play some Mike and some Money and Nickel. Um, Moody can play both. Um you know, Shane Lee played a whole year here of Mike. He's healthy now. He was not healthy last year uh, coming off of, you know, that sports hernia thing. He struggled all year long. Um, so he's, he's, he's done a lot better. Um, so, you know, we're going to go through the whole spring. I mean, we do things differently in the spring. I know you guys want answers to all the questions. We play right and left safety. We play right and left outside backer. We play right and left inside backer. So they got to be Mike. They got to be Will. I, I mean, so we're, we're trying to create diversity in players, not trying to give you an answer so you can write about who the starter is everywhere. Uh, and, and then we'll figure out, you know, at the end of the spring and next fall when we go into fall camp, okay, this is the best way for us to play. But if we don't experiment and move all these guys around, but then the other good thing about that is, is next year you can get the next best guy in a game because he could play Mike or Will. All right, so um, – it's a really good question, but it's not one that's going to have an answer for a long time. All right, Jade. So, <laughs> man, I put this out there. It went pretty viral over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly not poking fun of, to Nick Saban because it's almost comical how how much of an edge this guy's got to him two months after winning the national championship. You know, we saw Coach O. He's still got a smile on his face from 2019, you know it? Whereas <laughs> here we got yeah. Nick Saban did not want to answer these damn questions, but you can see he's kind of softened a little bit because at the tail end he goes, well, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> 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 but I am not here for your entertainment is basically what he's saying. Yeah, that's what that felt like, man. You know, Nick Saban's one of those guys, 24-hour rule kind of guys. Uh, you know, I, I would – I know he says that. He looked excited after he won that national championship. But don't think the very next day Nick wasn't already gearing up for the following season. That's just who he is. The man, he ain't got time for spring break. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he is ready. And uh, these reporters down there, I tell you what, they, they're usually good on their P's and Q's, you know. But this one, this one, this little curveball, uh, Saban was ready to squash for Yeah, him. he was. <laughs> well, hey, man, speaking of that, we're getting fired up. We just had – 
what I was told, what I was promised, was the first spring game in the SEC. Mm. So let's kick it all down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! All right, Chad, I got to be honest. I was fired up for this thing. Yeah. I was ready to hop on here. I was going to do like a live reaction podcast, my thoughts on the Missouri Mm -hmm. spring game. I turned this sucker on. Well, I couldn't turn it on. It wasn't on television. Now I know why. I had to go on a deep dive on the back pages of ESPN to stream this sucker. (laughs) And then we got, before the first moments of action, Shay, we had three commercial breaks. And when they finally come to about 25 minutes into the action, (laughs) punting, punting (laughs) drills was... (laughs) (laughs) I was so disappointed with Missouri, man. I was... I, I'm not trying to bash on uh, on on anything, but it was just they shouldn't have called it a damn spring game. Is if this was what they were going to do, they should have just said a televised practice because that's what I just wasted an hour of my Saturday watching. Well, you got to think too, Mike. There, I mean, maybe there's a reason that this thing wasn't on prime time. You know, maybe they called Eli and he said, "Hey, I'm thinking about start with the fun <laughs> drills here," and they're like, "You know what? We're going to put you on alternate." You know. <laughs> I don't, but I was pumped up for this, just like you. Uh, we, we saw our first That SEC Podcast shirt in the fans, in the stands. I just thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's what's sad. It's the first co- It's the first college spring game. It's We've not had one in two freaking years, and you had the spotlight. You had an opportunity to put some eyes on Mizzou and you squandered it, man. I just, I just think that was a terrible look. I get what Eli was trying to accomplish in this, uh, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't geared for the fans. It felt like, and this is, I mean, this spring game, that's what it should have been more about. Let's give a shout out to our guy, Chris Doring. He's the one, he was at the Missouri game, tweeted out. If you check out our uh, Twitter and, and Instagram and all that, he's got a photo of himself wearing the, that SEC podcast shirt at the Missouri spring game. But, you know, it wasn't all bad. I'm not going to sit here and bash on the whole thing because there were highlights. I mean, as I was sitting there watching it, it was pretty comical because Kansas Jayhawks, you know, they were playing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Losing to Eastern Washington. That was the biggest cheer of the day when the the PA announcer (laughs) (laughs) noted that. So that was great. Uh, but like I said, after we got the punting out of the way, they kind of went to uh, red zone work. Like I said, yeah. it was all yeah. it was was a practice. But uh, one thing that caught my eye, the true freshman, Tyler making the running – or excuse me, the, the quarterback, you know, just based on what I've seen, I'm not saying he's going to rise up the depth charts because he is a true freshman, but he's got a ton of speed. He's bringing something that they may not have at that quarterback position – Maybe not since uh, Kelly Bryant, and, and he looked even quicker than old Kelly Bryant. So that certainly cost, caught my eye. Uh, I thought the red zone defense was outstanding from what we saw in that spring mm-hmm. practice. <laughs> the offense didn't score in a single red zone possession, and, and they showed about six or seven possessions. So defense looking stout. Uh, one other thing that was that was driving me crazy, if you saw the little ticker, uh, the clock, it would just go to five minutes, and it was a running clock the entire time. And when it went all the way down to zero, nothing happened. So I'm, tr- I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell the clock was all about. I have no idea. Uh, and then kind of the, 
the one thing, a little bit of a bad showing, I guess you would call it. One thing Eli Drinkowitz has hit on, didn't let Connor Basilak throw it a lot in the red zone last year, didn't want to get those turnovers, and they set up a scenario. First, it was like fourth and goal, you got to score a touchdown or the game's over, and he threw a pick in the end zone. So, mm. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything, but uh, you like to see him come through in those moments. They put him in a position like that on television to come through, couldn't get it done. So it's a teaching moment. That's all spring is at the end of the day anyway. But uh, yeah. that's kind of basically all I got to, to come away from this thing because, like I said, it was a glorified practice and it, it really wasn't even a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to – I mean, it's easy to, to watch spring games and spring practices. And, you know, there's always I, – I do it every year, Mike. I'll, I'll watch the orange and white and I'll be like, Oh man, this guy's good. You know, this this guy's going to be an all American, and then you never see him suit up again. You know? So there's pl- there's plenty of weekend warriors there on spring games and spring practices. So I think this was just more about the fundamentals, which was good. I just didn't like that. I just didn't like the idea that they had a- an opportunity to to showcase being the only SEC team on TV. And uh, you know, some of us, I mean, some of us love basketball and stuff, but some of us would have liked to, to look at something a little different, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're definitely not going to watch, watch, I mean, you literally had to gain their attention in like 10, 15 minutes and we didn't get any action in the first 10, 15 minutes. So uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, but I, I'm glad, I, I don't think there was any major injuries in there. Did they come out with the, how many people were at that uh, game? Did you catch it? Um, I don't know if it was announced or not, but uh, it was a nice, nice little crowd, se- several yeah. thousands of people. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good showing. Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely momentum there is being built in Columbia thanks to Eli Drinkowitz and the and the team showing last year. So, uh, big things to come. And and hell, they keep announcing all these donations they're getting. They just got a three million dollar donation, mm. and that's about the fifth or sixth million or more donation I've seen just this off season. So even the rich boosters are fired up and committed to the program. And that's what you need to do to compete in the SEC. Damn, Mike, if we could just get one donation, you know, (laughs) (laughs) retire and drink all day long. Yeah. I think that sounds awesome. No, I was just kidding. Uh, Good for them though. I just, I really do. I think Mizzou is one of those sneaky teams this year that, that has an opportunity to gain some ground and, uh, and and I just I don't know. It felt like a, a decent spring after after it was all said and done. Yeah, it wasn't. It, you know, it wasn't totally exciting, but uh, it felt like everyone came out pretty safe, and uh, that's really what you want with your kids, you right? Know? And after the thing, Eli Drinkowitz uh, held his press conference to wrap up the spring, and he was not, uh, you know, too thrilled with how the quarterbacks looked there to, during the spring game, and two guys that uh, you know I well one guy that I noted going into it. Watch out for Mookie Cooper, the Ohio State transfer hit on him. And Elijah Young, the running back, he had a nice performance. Uh, I thought this was kind of the standout clips from uh, his press conference. Coach, just overall, what did you think of the uh, the quarterback play from uh, from your four guys out there today? Yeah, you know, I thought overall quarterback play was just blah, to be, to be blunt. Uh, you know, didn't throw any touchdowns. Obviously, I think we threw one interception. Um, you know, I thought we – in the uh, tag portion of the practice, you know, there were some those that may or may not have been sacks that were blown sacks, which is part of it. But uh, we didn't execute at a high enough level. I thought, you know, Connor made a couple of good throws, but overall, 
we can improve. Um, so that's that's always a good sign. You you want to make sure that uh, you continue to have an opportunity to get better. Hey Eli, um, Elijah Young and Mookie Cooper with some reps with the ones today. What do you think of them, and and what's sort of the value of getting some of those guys chances to play with the ones? Well, I mean they're going to play with the ones in the fall, and so it was an opportunity for them to to really showcase what they've really been doing all spring, uh, and uh, you know continue to just uh, bring everybody along. Thought Mookie did some nice things. Obviously, he's got to continue to improve, and I think it's always good to get these guys out in front of some fans in, a, in this situation. You know, the first time they're being really counted on here. Um, so you get to see how they're going to react to, to that, that kind of pressure and, and grow and learn from it. Could you speak to uh, to Connor's mindset heading into this spring as opposed to previous springs? Um, is there is there more confidence, more pressure, a little bit of both? Can you speak to that? Yeah, I can speak to it really easy. This is Connor's first spring practice in the history of him playing quarterback. So I think his mindset was that to um, – I know it was, I don't think, I know it was to utilize this opportunity to, to improve and show tremendous growth in fundamentals and also an understanding play speed. And uh, when you watch him in the pocket, which y'all don't have, you know, the ability to do sometimes, but he's been really, really good at, at subtle movements in the pocket, still getting the ball out. I think he's making good reads. That that throw right down there to Toski in the red zone, the, uh, the second drive, you know, the offense got down there. I mean, that was a bang, bang play and throw and you know, I asked him, hey, could you squeeze one more count? He said, no, the safety's there. I mean, he's seeing the football field really well, uh, which is exactly what you want to see. Obviously, we got to continue to get chemistry and timing with the wide receivers, and and uh, we're going to get that. I'm not not stressed at all, but I, I am proud of the way he's improving. All right, Shane. So, like I said, if you saw the spring game there, Young had some moments. Mookie Cooper, the Ohio State guy, comes in very touted, was formerly uh, the number one prospect, I believe, out of Missouri. And now it sounds like after just one spring camp, he's already solidified himself as a starter. So, hey, just more fi- more firepower for that offense going into next season. Yeah, man, more weapons and rotation. I, I think we're going to see a more aggressive offense next year. And I, and I think you do that with more talent on the outside of the field. You mm-hmm. know? All right, Shane, let's skip it all down to Starkville. Where the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Shane, since we've last recorded, they've kicked off spring. I, I believe they're two practices in. And, man, we've got some storylines here, too, because this is another one, kind of like Kentucky last year, where season didn't really go the way they wanted. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was a time there I was wondering, well, hell, is Mike Leach even going to survive this? <laughs> but it just seemed like it was one of those situations. You know, we all know how – odd last season was for all the reasons you know we've gone on and on about but it was almost like it was almost like they had to shed the players that were not committed to his program but they had to do it in the middle of a 10 game SEC slate and I think that's why they were so mm-hmm. you know disorganized and, and just didn't look good halfway through the season and then towards the tail end they looked like the best they'd ever looked all season so you know, you can certainly carry that momentum. And I know in that state, everyone's, you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. That's that's all anyone wants to talk about outside the state. But you got to watch out, man, because Mississippi State, they get that offense going. Zach Arnett, I think, was the most underrated defensive coordinator in the SEC last year. If they, you know, the defense, if it continues to progress in this offense with the, the young quarterback, Will Rogers, Mississippi State, they could be the dark horse in the SEC, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I think 
obviously you start out the gate really strong last year and then it just kind of dwindled. Like you said, there was, there was moments you were like, wait a minute, this may not work out. But I think that, I don't know about you, man, but it just felt like that Georgia game Mm -hmm. was a turning point. And it felt like a lot of kids on that, on that team grew up. And then you started seeing some of these young guys, some of these uh, young kids uh, start become playmakers. And so, yeah, a full off season with Coach Leach, the Pirate. I, I, I think, I think we're going to be in good shape next year. And, and who knows, maybe, maybe Mississippi State's the dark horse that we're all sleeping on. Yeah, because with all the hype, you know, being thrown Missouri's way. Yet remember the tail end of the season, Mississippi State just crushed them. So, yeah, uh, that and then they finished it off. They beat a ranked Tulsa team in the bowl game. So mm-hmm. a lot to work with there, Mississippi State. And again, you know, just like. These second-year coaches this is the first spring of of the coach's tenure because they didn't have it last year. So right. that's something Mike Leach hit on. Let's kick it over to the Pirates' comments. Uh, they also they recently hired. We haven't uh, noted this yet, but uh, former Southern Miss coach Jay Hobson, who was also at Delta State years ago, he's he's got a solid record, but he's now an assistant. At Mississippi State, he got fired last year at Southern Miss. So uh, Leach talks about that on the team being as healthy as it's ever been under his leadership and the positions that are up for grabs this offseason in Starkville. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Hope you've had a good uh, last couple of months. Uh, How would you kind of assess the competition at really all the positional groups? How kind of competitive has it been? And and what like positional groups are you expecting (laughs) in those competition this spring? Well, I'll be able to tell you more as we get going and certainly as we put the pads on. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, well, there's going to be plenty of competition at the offensive line. Uh, There's going to be plenty of competition at receiver and uh, not just the ones we have currently, but uh, we'll be excited to get the ones in in May. And uh, I think those guys will elevate the competition as we go down the road as well uh the secondary uh definitely uh some competition there and i would say a few d-line slots not really a d-line overhaul but uh definitely some slots there uh, coach how would you kind of assess uh, where the team is health wise and is there anybody that won't participate in spring practice um i think we're healthy uh i, I mean just tried to go through uh you know 90 guys I, I it seems to me we're healthy um i can't think of anybody i felt like was missing but i was trying to uh this being the first day get to the right place in the right drill um but uh we're he- we're healthier than we have been uh, i would say this is the healthiest we've been since i've been here um not participating in spring uh can you think of anybody? No, we, we can't think of anybody. That doesn't mean there isn't anybody, but uh, if we think of it or, or you've got a, a name in mind or something, then we can address it. Mike, we saw the news that you hired Jay Hobson, former Southern Miss coach, earlier this week. How did that relationship come to be, and what do you think you can add to your staff, both from an on-the-field and off-the-field perspective? Uh, I've known of him for decades. I've gotten to know him uh, better and better as time's gone on. Uh, just a very sharp guy. Uh, <clears throat> knows Mississippi upside down and sideways, so I think that's very good. 
Um, <clears throat> but most importantly, just a good, solid coach, you know. Uh, his body of work, I think, is impressive. And, you know, anytime you have a guy uh, like that, it's a great resource to, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, pick uh, – uh, learn from what he knows, you know, and, uh, you know, and obviously in those situations, not, uh, not all of it complements what you're doing, but, uh, just constantly testing your knowledge base and challenging your own ideas. I think that provides, uh, a big resource. And then I also think that, uh, an extra set of, uh, experienced eyes on what we're doing is, uh, is huge for us too. So we're very happy to have him. And then just to circle around back to what we were talking about at the very beginning about everyone being excited to be out there because this is an opportunity they didn't have last year. How much as a coaching staff have you guys just kind of drilled that into their heads saying take advantage of this month because this is a month to get better that you guys didn't have last year and probably could have really used last year? Uh, some We did some of that, but then also try to make it clear that, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the balance between that, that it's, you know, it, it's exciting and a privilege to be out there and as cooped up as we've had these guys, you know, through, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, this whole joyless COVID process, um, the, uh, you know, some of that uh, is, is kind of automatic, you know, I mean, we've, <laughs> of all springs, we've had to do less to motivate this spring, at least starting out than any of them. And then, uh, but then the other thing, uh, just because we're practicing, we're watching film, we're lifting weights, that that alone doesn't distinguish us. I mean, um, you know, because everybody's doing that. Whoever's the worst team in the country is watching film, lifting weights, and having practice. Uh, so if we want to distinguish ourselves and and have our, uh, you know, if, if that's all you do, then all you are is everybody else. And so we have to be able to draw more out of our practices, our work, and our focus uh, through effort than uh, the guys down the road. Otherwise, that's who we are. We're everybody else. So we got to get more out of it. All right, Chase. So there you got it from Coach Leach and some good stuff there on the addition of Jay Hobson and position battles up for grab. But, <laughs> hell, I'm still not sure my man knows uh, everyone on the team's name at this point. Do you? <laughs> No, I bet they all got the the duct tape names on their foreheads, you know. <laughs> he sounds like me sometimes, you know. It's like, hey, what's his name? That one guy. Hey, buddy. Everybody's buddy. Hey, brother. Hey, buddy. You know. <laughs> I got a guy I work with, man. I think he's been there three years. Hell, I still don't know his name. He's got a nickname now, you know, because I just created one. <laughs> I didn't want to say, now, what's your name again? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those where you get in too deep, you know, where he, you've been in there for yeah. so long, you can't ask a guy's name. He, hell, he gave you a ride home last week. You can't ask him his name the next week. You know what? <laughs> That's right. Uh, wild man is what I call him. <laughs> hey, there's wild man. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, let's skip it all damn next to old Athens. Because oh, no, uh, hey, we've got a pretty interesting development here, Shane, where – not only, you know, we're going into the what looks to be the best offense of the Kirby Smart era at Georgia. We got the returning quarterback. We got everyone returning at running back, everyone returning at receiver. I know there's, uh, you know, some flux on the offensive line, but hell, everybody in the two deep is just incredibly talented, and they've got Matt Luke to coach those guys up. But on the opposite 
you know, we're getting, we're in a weird spot here because there's lack of experience in the secondary. This is supposed to be a defensive program, yet guys have left. Guys have moved on to the NFL, and now we're moving running backs and linebackers into the cornerback position because they're that desperate to to kind of find the pieces. Now, you know, that's part of spring, so it's not like I'm sitting here hitting the panic button. And I, we've already kind of addressed this where Kirby says, you know, I prefer to build my roster through recruiting and not go to the transfer portal. But at the end of the day, if someone's out there that we want in the portal, you know, we'll pursue getting them. So I think Georgia could still be in the market for someone down the line, but any concern for you that, uh, you know, and we'll get to Kirby's comments here in a, in a moment, but kind of the, the thing that stands out to me is just how he keeps praising the offense and saying the defense is so far behind. And we saw that last year when, you know, we were touting up Georgia's defense as, you know, it was going to be the best in the SEC. They got smoked by Bama, smoked by Florida. If they're getting smoked by their own offense, it, at what point does that become kind of a red flag for a team that has not only SEC aspirations, but college football aspirations? Uh, I don't think any really, man. I mean, this is – this isn't the SEC. Of, this isn't your Papaw's <laughs> SEC anymore, man. You know right. what I'm saying? I mean, you look. You look at. Go for instance. You look at Alabama. All right, national champ. Last three games gave up 24, 14, 46. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, well, yeah, okay. So the defense isn't great. We don't need the defense to be great. We need Georgia to score points. You know, Kirby is so damn smart on defense. He'll find ways to scheme. Uh, you know, around his talent, which he's got plenty. I mean, we're talking about moving four and five stars to the end. We're, you know what I'm saying? It's not like we're, we're, we're moving Jim down here from defensive end. You know, this is, uh, this, these are guys that are just highly talented athletes. And I have, yeah, confidence. I, I know Kirby's going to get the guys in the right spot. And I know Georgia defense is going to be a bend, but not break type defense. So I'm not, I'm not, hitting the panic button by no means. What they need to be doing right now, though, is is creating that competitive depth on that side of the ball and and get that offense humming. I want to – if I'm watching a spring game, I want to see the offense score 50 points. You know what right. I'm saying? It's just that's, – that's what Georgia needs. It's not what they had in the past, but it's clear – as if it's not clear right now, then it never will be for Kirby Smart that this is an SEC – this is an offensive-ran conference now. Mm-hmm. All right, well, look, good. that's good news for uh, the Bulldogs because that's what Kirby says they got working with right now in Athens. So let's kick it over to him. He's asked compare this year to last year when it comes to Todd Bunkin's offense, JT Daniels at quarterback. He says he can't even compare the two. And then on moving, well, not moving, but just trying out linebacker Adam Anderson at the nickel star position and moving running back Lavoisier Carroll to the defensive backfield, two interesting moves from uh, from Georgia's camp. Kirby, I wanted to ask you about the quarterbacks, how they're coming along. And secondly, on that same front, uh, with Todd being there now, this three two-and-a-half-month period with JT Daniels, how, what can y'all accomplish? We've talked about this a lot. I did, I did want to ask it again, though. What's the difference between now that he's here versus last year he wasn't, et cetera? I don't know how to measure that. 
I mean, we're just, I mean, they're just light years ahead of where they were. I mean, we didn't have this last year. So I can't even like answer that question because we didn't know anything last year. We didn't know who we were. We had no identity. We didn't even know who JT Daniels was right now. Um, and, and we're just, uh, we're, we're a lot different offensively. I mean, they're, they're doing things that they weren't doing until uh, maybe halfway through the season last year. And they're doing lots of them. I mean, we got some young wide out swimming. We've got some uh, experienced wideouts that are still swimming because they're trying to learn multiple positions. You know, last year we weren't able to be very multiple because Jermaine Burton learned one position. We're trying to get Jermaine Burton to, to know both sides. You know, he, he was the Z last year. He needs to be the Z and the X. Um, just so many little things that they're so much further ahead uh, as far as knowledge and I don't know. Since I've been here, it seems like we've had a really experienced defense a couple times, and I feel like we've had a really experienced offense. Maybe that uh, the one year when uh, from it seemed like a lot of the guys were back, but we didn't have our wideouts back. So um, it's pretty unique to have uh, that much experience on offense. And I mean, it showed for two days. We've um, been behind defensively and been ahead offensively. Coach, uh, uh, I'm fascinated so far anyway, just seeing Lavoisier Carroll uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Just wonder if you give some background on that uh, in terms of that was always a play. Obviously, he's wearing 12 and Brock is too. Does that mean this, you know, he's committed to this side of the ball for now or just trying to get through spring practice? What can you tell me about what he's looked like so far? Uh, it's experimental. You know, we recruited him as a running back. We're really deep at the running back position. Uh, He's, he's probably going to be a, a factor on our team, on special teams, because we think he's really fast. Uh, he's embraced the position. He's he's made some good plays. Uh, he's had some bad plays. He's, he's not played this position. So to put him out there on uh, some experienced wideouts and some guys who've played a lot of football, it's probably not fair to him. But that's how you grow and that's how you get better by failing. And I've been around a lot of good running backs. I've had running backs that uh, – I signed other places I've recruited that texted me and said, man, I wish I'd played corner based on what these guys are getting paid and how many of them are getting paid in the NFL. The, the, the shelf life of a corner is much longer than a back, and there's a lot more corners active uh, in the NFL than backs. So when you look at the case of those three guys that worked out yesterday, um, LC comes in a lot of the same length, uh, uh, speed parameters. He has a lot of the same qualities that those guys have. What he doesn't have is experience, and uh, he's he's embraced that role. I, I would not say that it's permanent. I would say that it's a spring experiment. We'll go from there. Kirby, can I follow up on Adam Anderson? I think I heard you say he was playing the star. Can you talk about some of the experimenting? I, I know you said you were moving him around a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's he, basically when you're an outside backer, you are a star. So I know that's really complicated for you guys. And Seth said that, you know, the old system of outside backers, you had a strong and a weak in a 3-4 system, you have two outside backers. Well, every snap we play 3-4, we have a star that is an outside backer. So Mark Webb was an outside backer last year on 50% of the snaps. Well, that's what Adam Anderson is. So if you're going to rush him 50% of the time, would you rather rush Mark Webb or Adam Anderson? So you have to build your defense around a structure of what you want to do. They both have great strengths. Their strengths are different. Um, and we think that he can help us from a rush standpoint. Uh, what we're experimenting with right now is, is him having to cover because it gives us the luxury of playing four DBs instead of five, and it accentuates our, uh, our lack of DB, but it accentuates our strength at uh, rush guys if we're able to play with him. So 
we're challenging him, asking him to do a lot that if we had to play a game tomorrow, we wouldn't ask him to do all these things, but we're trying to teach him and, uh, and have a growth mindset with him. All right. So again, not freaking out about either of these. I, I think more than anything, what it tells you is Georgia's just absolutely loaded at the linebacker position where they can afford to try some, one of those guys out at another position. <laughs> and, and remember, they're bringing everybody back at running back, and Georgia seems to you know, sign two five-stars at running back every year. So <laughs> I think it also tells you that the running back room's completely loaded. Otherwise, they wouldn't be moving these guys around. But just interesting. Yeah, this is something to remember because playing Clemson in the opener – you're going to have to play Florida. You're potentially going to have to play Alabama in the SEC championship. I agree with your point. I mean, this is an offensive game now. I've been saying that. And you're just not going to win it in a defense holding another team to 20 points or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if, if they can't stop anybody, I think that's going to be the difference between winning it all and just getting close again. And and here at Georgia, we don't want to be close anymore. We want to be breaking through that, uh, that glass ceiling there. And I just – I don't think it's going to get done until, you know, they have the defensive backs to to help them. But they still got a ton of time before we before we hit the panic button. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, we're talking. What's their schedule? Do you got their schedule in front of you? Mm-hmm. Here's uh, Georgia's schedule right here. Clemson in the opener. That that game is in Charlotte. Okay, that's that's a big one. <laughs> then we got UAB, which is tough, but the, but they're going to be a, probably a four touchdown underdog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, South Carolina at home, at Vanderbilt, Arkansas at home, at Auburn, Kentucky at home. Then you get the Florida game. Then you get Missouri at home, at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, and at Georgia Tech. So the toughest part of that is going to come at the beginning. You know when you got Clemson, right? And, and then you got you got UAB, but then you got eight consecutive SEC games in a row in nine weeks. So they're going to have to earn it, man. There's there's not going to be a layup on there. You know what? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. I think Clemson, obviously, that ramps up real quick. But it's a game I don't expect them to lose, but they can't afford to. You know what I'm saying? All right, one final thing with the, the Georgia Bulldogs, Shed. I just think this is great, the fact that if you missed it, someone put out uh, Will Muschamp's bio there on the Georgia – team website it's official you know it's been official but they just updated the bio and if you go to his page you know lengthy career in the sec head coach at south carolina head coach florida he's been all over the sec auburn lsu assistant coaching i mean all these are impressive texas he's been at texas his bio's got nothing on it (laughs) they left it completely blank but the reason I wanted to bring that up, leave it to Georgia. I mean, they're, they're Alabama caliber when it comes to staffing up, making sure Kirby Smart's got one hell of a staff around him. Now he's working as a defensive analyst, and that's something Kirby was asked about. You know, what do you take away from Will Muschamp working with him in your first camp together? And Kirby admitted, hey, I lean on this guy probably more than anybody else on my staff to run these practices. Hey Kirby, what's it like having Will, you and Will, back on the practice field together? And what was he bring to the table? Obviously, a lot of experience. Yeah, he's probably uh, the guy I lean on the most for in terms of coaching the coaches and just drill selection and 
you know, hey, how did you do this? How did y'all do this? Did y'all do this period first, that period first? Uh, you know, trying to find new ways to make our program better. And uh, I like a lot having him out there and I like having him in the meetings because it's not the skill set of coaching. He's certainly a confident coach and very competent, but it's a lot more for me just the way I know he's done things a lot of different ways. And um, when you're out there and in between drills or drills going on and you can walk over there and say, hey, how did y'all do this? You know, is there a better way? What do you think about this? It's, uh, it's helpful. It certainly uh, breeds confidence and it gives you uh, more ways to do things. You think he's just a get back man? Oh, man, I would give anything to see old Will Muschamp oh, holding Kirby back next year. But, no, I don't oh, think that'll be the option, but we can certainly hope and pray it will be. You know what? You know, I, I think this is George's year, man. You know, and I, I'm sure – I mean, we're far away from predictions and stuff like that. But if things go bad, I can imagine how wild – that halftime would be with both those guys in there because Kirby can get fired up too, man. You know? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> especially if it's on that, especially if it's on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Man. All right, Shane, let's uh, kick it all down next to Fayetteville. Woo pig. Where the Arkansas, they had a scrimmage over the weekend. And man, I want to credit these teams because, you know, obviously they didn't have the spring last year, but uh, we're getting further and further removed from, all these damn Nick Saban clones in the league and trying to win the Nick Saban way. And here we got Sam Pittman at Arkansas. We got Brian Harson at Auburn. And these guys are not only opening up, uh, you know, media availability, but they open up scrimmages and practices to the fans in the stadium over the weekend. Eli Drinkwitz is, obviously did the same thing with their spring game, and he, and he did it with a couple other practices. So I just love seeing all this. And – here, Arkansas Razorback fans dying for some football. Got to see it over the weekend. And by all accounts, pretty solid weekend. I think uh, K.J. Jefferson has continued to progress. He, I believe he threw a couple touchdowns in the scrimmage. Malik Hornsby, I think he scored one touchdown from what I understand, but two of the standouts from it, Traylon Burks, of course. I mean, he's basically an All-American yeah. at this point. And then the running back trail on Smith apparently had a big day as well. So uh, those are two of the things that Sam Pittman hit on the quarterback play, the standouts, and what they want to see moving forward from the Razorbacks heading into the next scrimmage, which is, uh, I believe, going to be on Tuesday. Uh, Coach, curious uh, what you thought of your your quarterbacks uh, the day that that KJ, Malik, all those guys had. Yeah, you know, honestly, we Trey, we – we missed too many balls. You know, we had uh, some of the same things happening in practice. We're holding the ball too long. You know, uh, there's a fine line in there and just putting the quarterback live and, and teaching him how to get rid of the football and, and then uh, not. But we're, we're holding the ball too long, uh, which means one of two things. We're either not getting open or we're not understanding the defensive coverage or, or uh, and then you know, we just missed too many open uh, receivers uh, at the quarterback spot. So, you know, none of them, if you look at it, Trey, n- none of those guys have had much game experience. And to be honest with you, that's why I wanted to scrimmage three times this this spring. I want to scrimmage this one and then in two weeks and then the spring game because uh, we're, we're inexperienced at that position. Uh, I thought they did a good job of, of running the offense. 
but obviously there were some guys open out there that I wish that they were throwing a catch, caught the ball a little bit better. Hey, Sam, um, a couple of your standouts looked to me had big scrimmages. Talking about um, Traylon Smith ran well, and it looks like Burke showed up too. If you could talk about those two guys. Yeah, isn't it amazing how guys that's played before usually play pretty good, you know, in, in the spring. Uh, you know, Burks is a talented, talented kid. You know, everybody knows that. Uh, but, you know, he went out and got one in the end zone. I'm, I'm not positive. I don't have the stats. I'm not positive about what all he did. But I know he's a good football player. And then Smitty, uh, you know, he got one gear, and that's full throttle. You know, and uh, that's what makes him a good football player. He's a physical kid, not big, but he plays much more physical, much heavier than what he is. And, and uh, those guys have done a nice job of leading and trying to teach younger guys uh, uh, behind them in their position. They're good leaders on our football team as well. Yeah, Sam, what do you want to see out of Tuesday and then heading into spring break? Yeah, Tuesday, um, we're going to get after it again on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to try to correct the mistakes that we made in this in this scrimmage, uh, but Tuesday will be physical. Um, you know, we still have we we have to continue to run the ball better. That's the bottom line. Good teams they run the ball when they want to run the ball. I mean, that's what it is. And the, and the good teams stop stop the run when they want to stop the run, and they take half the game away from people. And that's been a big concentration for us. You guys have been out there and we're running a two spot we're running like it's a physical practice every day. It will be again on Tuesday. There won't be a whole lot of tapering off this spring, but on Tuesday, I just want to get what we had corrected and, and play better fundamentals and be physical. And if we can do that, we'll, 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 we would have had a great seven days. I know today wasn't a great scrimmage. I don't know how you view them. I wish we wouldn't have jumped off sides on defense and stayed on sides on offense. And I don't like it when our team talks to each other. I don't like it. So I told them after the scrimmage, if we if we can just not beat ourselves and make somebody beat us, uh, I think that'll be hard to do if we if we continue to improve. All right, Chase. So there you have it from Coach. He was uh, pretty fired up after this one, but uh, you know, here we are in the first spring of the Sam Pittman era, and. Uh, I was kind of joking with you. I mean, I think this man is is never going to be satisfied with the line of scrimmage performance. They could have five <laughs> no. All-Americans across that line. You know what? But he knows that uh, last year they didn't get it done. And a lot of these close games, I know there was some controversy with the, the officiating and whatnot, but there were games to be won. I'm, I'm thinking specifically LSU, Missouri, maybe if you're a little bit more dominant on one or both – sides of the line of scrimmage auburn, auburn. Oh, well they got robbed of that one yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean it shouldn't have came, it, it, it shouldn't have came down to that right. and i think like you said a lot of that came down to it came down to the trenches mm-hmm. and uh it, i mean it was game of inches and if they would have you know moved the chains in, in certain areas they would have secured a victory so yeah I, I i know that stuck in his crawl and you could tell uh in his voice when he's talking about these boys right and i think it's one thing for just any old coach to be parping on this stuff but when it's sam Pittman, who's regarded by most as uh the best developer and recruiter of offensive line in the nation i mean i just give it a lot more credit just about any time the guy opens his mouth about uh, the line of scrimmage Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, final stop. Sheer Shane, let's jump on down to the Plains. Get ready, Toomer's Corner. Auburn- 
Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. Where, as I noted there, Brian Harson opened things up there at Auburn. I mean, my God, Gus Malzahn. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was, a hell of, he was a hell of a coach at a time there, but uh, to my knowledge, he never opened this thing up to, to hardly anybody. So credit Brian Harson, man. First, first year on the job, opened this thing up, and we're having – uh, scrimmages and practices there in Jordan Hare Stadium and the fans getting to, to come out and watch it. So I just think that's fantastic. This is more of a practice than a scrimmage, so don't have a bunch of stats to work with here. But uh, he was pretty fired up after this one. So let's kick it over to Brian Harson after the first open practice of his Auburn tenure. Oh yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. The, the the one thing I like about Coach Bobo, just the the details on the quarterback development. So the, the same thing, mechanics of just playing the position right, how to take a snap, how to set your feet, uh, where your eyes go, what you pay attention to. So there's a lot of similarities there, just with the coaching the the quarterback position. Offensively, there's some tweaks. There's some things that he's done that I haven't done. We've implemented. There's there's things that that I've done. Um, probably more of that that we're doing. And so a little verbiage here and there, but it's been good. The, the thing about Coach Bobo, I mean, he gets it. So it might be in this way and we want to change it. All right, it's, it's easy, right? We can change it. He, he's easy to work with and we want to change the language of this, we want to change the way that we call this play, we want to change the way we signal it. You know, right now we're, we're able to do that. But at this point, we're really just, it's basic, right? It's all, it's all the base foundation DNA. We'll be able to get through that and then we start getting into the wrinkles some of those type of things. And, and uh, for the coaching staff, we, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, even with our staff, because they're learning some of this stuff as well. So just every day, you know, for our receiver coaches, running back coaches, it's new. Defensively, same thing. Just we're a little bit slower than what we'd normally be in an install if we'd been somewhere three, four years, right? So we just got to move along. And, and I think the guys are doing a good job. We got to keep preparing now as you start getting into install four, now you got one, two, and three, and now four. So we're going to start to see guys, all right, how much can they handle? Can we go back to one and execute that play on Monday? Can we jump right into four, execute those plays we got installed, jump back to two, execute a play that's already in? That's where we're getting to now is, all right, how much information can these guys retain, the details of what we've already put in, and we've emphasized, now we're going to find out where our team's at, really with our preparation habits. And that was, a, that was a message there at the end, right, how we prepare, right? If we just show up and, and just spend the time on that particular install and that's all we focus on, all right, we'll be good for that day until we have to go back to day two and recall a play from there. And we're just we're working on that, improving our preparation habits right now. We've got to do that in order to continue to keep developing through the spring. Coach, every coach in Change just about I've been a part of, and I'm old, and I've been a part of it. Covered a lot of it. Right. But uh, there's somebody low on the depth chart that has been all but forgotten that is all of a sudden back. And I'm not talking about any specific guy, but how do you handle that as, as a coach? Do you just do you literally start over with all these guys? We do. Yeah. I mean, right now it's everybody's getting reps, everybody's getting an opportunity, and and at some point we'll start to back off and give other guys more reps. 
you see it. But early on, yeah, everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets an opportunity to get four reps. The way our reps are broken up right now, you're going to get four, four, and four, right? So uh, you've got your first group getting their four, your second group getting their four, your third group getting their four. Make your reps count. If you want more reps, make your reps count. You might move up a group. You might move up into the starting group, and then eventually the starting group gets more reps than the backup group does and than the third group does. That will change. Have you seen some guys who might surprise people? Um, well, I've seen some guys. Let me say that. I've seen some guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know yet. It's been three practices. Yeah, I'm not going to make that judgment yet. I've seen everybody do some good things and everybody do some things that we got to get better at. And um, it's still early. We'll we'll find out when we scrimmage. When we have that first scrimmage, we'll find out. Those guys will get their reps. We'll get to see live ball, and and then we'll make our determination going into the second half of spring. And there'll be more of a pecking order and depth chart as we get into that phase, uh, that second half of spring ball. All right, Shane. So again, hey, this guy's kind of. Uh, I could tell he's. You know he's he's very he measures everything he says. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't think right. we're going to be getting any Sam Pittman turn up that damn jukebox comments from Brian Harson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hey, there's uh, there's different ways to skin the cat, man. And and last time I checked, Brian Harson, hell of a coach there at Boise State. Now he's trying to bring this mentality to the Auburn Tigers. And uh, I don't know. I I like what I'm hearing from him, and I really like the. The coaching staff he's assembled here, and he and he kind of talks about that with the with Mike Bobo edition and everything. But uh, um, yeah, there. But Auburn's Auburn well, still remains kind of a mystery to me. But I but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Well, I like what he's doing, and I don't know if he's doing it for this reason. But I always think, you know, when you're a new guy, you open up practice that opens it up to the public, that creates pressure on these athletes. And, you know, we've seen it in years past. There's been a lot of athletes that that come out every Saturday and you're like, how the hell is this guy still a starter? You know, because he's he's crushing it in practice or something. But they become a different athlete when the, the lights are on. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I, I, I'm thinking in my mind, and I may be totally wrong, that, hey, let's open it up. Let's see how these kids react under a little bit more pressure, a little bit more public scrutiny. And, you know, not to mention, let's show the fans that we're not the same old band. You know, this is a this is a new offense. This is a new defense. We're going to we're going to do things different on the planes. And I don't know. I just I kind of like that attitude. You know, a lot of these new guys, because I've seen that two in years past, they want to, you know, hide everything and and let it be a surprise. And you wait to week one to find out exactly what kind of offense you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Brian's like, nah, let's, let's, let's open it up. Let's let's get this party started. So I, I like it. New chapter in Auburn. Yes, sir. Well, speaking of that, we've got new chapters of the show to come because, <laughs> man, there was so much content. That's what I love about this springtime. I mean, this is the only time of the offseason where we got a lot, all these coaches talking and we got competitions going. This is as much as we could fit into a, a show, but uh, stay <laughs> tuned because we got stuff from Dan Mullen and uh, Mark Stoops and the Kentucky quarterbacks have spoke. And uh, by the time we go here, we got South Carolina speaking. And I believe, I know I said last week, I thought Texas A&M, I guess they pushed it. Tennessee's opening this week. So uh, we've got a ton more content mm-hmm. coming. But uh, Shane, 
He always tells me, let's not make these Joe Rogan size pods. So <laughs> we got we ran to, ran down quite a few here. Got our first spring game action going in, but uh, I guess that's my spiel here, saying that's all we got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here, buddy? No, man. Tons of content. So definitely going to be getting back together this week. So uh, hey, as soon as we get the news, we'll report it and. Uh, give it to you guys so you have something to listen to in the morning absolutely and hey i'm seeing these uh koozies emails you know they're starting to fly in a a lot more than than usual during the off season so keep those coming give us that five star written review on the apple podcast app and reach out to us at that sec podcast at gmail.com to send those on over and happy to send you a beer koozie of your choice free of charge just for doing that but uh Hey, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.